construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Welcome to the Flagstick Podcast, everyone. I am your host, or one of your hosts, Jeff Botter, and uh, this week's show is sponsored by Golf PEI. Golf Prince Edward Island is premier Canadian golf destination, boasting most number of golf courses per capita in the country with over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine, top-tier accommodations, exquisite culinary experiences. It is the easiest golf vacation you'll ever book, so do so. Book your golf vacations and tea times at golfpei.ca. Scotty Matt. Getting a lot getting a lot of questions actually about PEI in the last week or it's so. Good. A, lot of, a lot of a lot of travel uh happening, a lot of people looking to book their travels, so uh, that's that's great to see. That's good. That means that uh that means that people are listening to us. Ah, yes. Or Among watching other things. Yes. Listening or watching or they're just interested in golf travel and we got a lot to say about it. So that's got uh, it. that's a good thing. Scott, we have um we took a little time again, but we had the golf expo mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend, and uh, so we had to prepare for that a bit and kind of get uh, get the um, get the mental preparation. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what the golf expo is more about is is for us is getting mentally prepared to deal with the onslaught of people coming through the doors and wanting to talk golf. And yeah, this is the Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expo for for people that are listening here. This is the area that we're in. in yeah, the Ottawa now they're area. across Canada. I mean, they have them. They, they had uh, mostly virtual ones this year, but some in person uh, shows at various locations across Canada. Um, just so happens this is where we are in Ottawa Gatineau, and this is an in-person one. Kind of cool to get back to, but we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, we have a good show, another great show, actually. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Players' Championship because, obviously, that is Annoying. the unofficial fifth major or the mm. official fifth major or whatever you want to it's, call it. It's there's, a, nothing, there's nothing official about that. That's, yeah, that's it's an outstanding injection. tournament. Yeah, there you to, go. <laughs> to watch. It's a, it's it's going to be an outstanding tournament. Watch a golf course that's going to play probably very similar to the way Bay Hill played uh, recently with uh, it can get windy out mm-hmm. there. Uh, significantly sure windy. And that yeah, and we're going to share our experiences of actually yes. being there and playing it as well. We did have an experience. No question <laughs> we sure that. did. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in the front nine. We're going to talk about the Ottawa, the pre-mentioned, or previously mentioned Ottawa Got No Golf Expo. We're going to wrap that up a little bit, talk about that and expos in general um, a bit. Uh, and in the back nine, we are going to uh, we're going to play an interview that you did with uh, Dustin Brecky uh, from. Uh, he's the director of product engineering for uh, uh, Cleveland Golf, Rickson Golf, and Zexio. Means smart guy, yes. smart guy. Yeah, no question. And the the interview will uh, will more than uh, spell that out for you. But uh, for sure, great interview. We're going to play that in the back nine uh, of this episode of uh, Flagstick Podcast. But before we get to that, we want to get to the front nine topics. And the front nine is brought to you once again by Metcalf Golf Club, a natural setting, a pleasant challenge. Uh, golf season is upon us. It's closer than you can possibly imagine. Don't let the snow fool you. Uh, and you don't want to wait to save on golf for this year. So buy a membership, join a league, get some game packs, and be ready to hit the first tee running. Visit MetcalfGolf.com to shop now. All right, Scott. What do we talk about? We talk about, uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about, 
the uh, Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expo and Expos, consumer Expos, golf Expos in general, as we return. Yeah. Um, After from, three years. Yeah. Three-year hiatus from in-person shows. Um, yeah. It was really curious to see. And I, and I know the organizers of all these shows are were really curious to see what would happen. Like, how mm-hmm. would they, how would the you know, we have had an influx of new golfers. Um, you know, a significant number of new golfers, albeit it not ridiculous, but it's been a lot. Um, how would those new golfers who have never experienced the golf expo really, how would they react to it? Would they jump at the chance to go to one? You know, were the shows were the shows as expected? Did they bring enough for the consumer, um, for the consumer experience? You know, um and what's their future? Yeah, that's the other side of things. So, yeah, and and let's keep in mind. Let's just preface this by saying this is opinion. This is not, and and a lot of what we do on this this show is 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 our opinion. Now we have twenty seven years of flagstick and and many more years (laughs) of experience in the golf industry worth of opinion. So, you know, there's there's some education behind. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of education behind it, not fact by any means. So take take what we say with a grain of salt. It is what it is. And if you don't agree with us, that's fine. Send us send us a comment. Send us a note. Whatever you like, uh, comment on it. Be nice. You know, we're not going to be rude to you, so don't be rude to us. But you know, we have our opinions, and sometimes those opinions are not going to be looked upon. You know, in this case, you might not be looked upon by the industry as favorable, but maybe they will be. Maybe we loved it. Did we love it? I don't know. It's, where, 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 where it's not a rhetorical I mean, question, my man. You gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta fess up and answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so first, first experiences. We we know that there the the Toronto Golf Expo happened. Toronto Golf yeah. and Travel Show happened, but we weren't there. We heard various things about the sure. Toronto Show. Yeah. So, we, but it was not firsthand experience that. You yeah, know, so we're not going to report on that. No, we can't report on that, that experience. But we, we can, were we at can the obviously... Gatineau one. We got yeah. Gatineau and and. Yeah, we've been, to, we've been to a lot of these. I mean, we've been to every single one of the Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expos. So that's starting back in 1996. Yes, world. Aberdeen um, Pavilion. I had a five by 10 back then. Oof. Five by, no, no, not five feet deep. It was, it was five like Five feet quarter. wide. Yeah, exactly. It I had was, a little tiny was, plastic fold out card table. <clears throat> Swear to God, yeah. Gib Patterson and I had a conversation in the, uh, in the, the cafeteria area of the golf expo and we're sitting there with some people that i didn't even know he introduced me as he always does yeah all the time i uh, introduces me as mr flagstick um and i'm fine with that this um, is Gib patterson who uh, yeah. owns three golf courses in the yes. uh, ottawa area now 85 years old yeah uh, but still sharp as attack for sure um so He's telling the story about my first golf expo or golf mm-hmm. show when back yeah. when it was at the Aberdeen Pavilion, the old cattle castle, they called it. Um, never knew what you were getting for temperature one year to the next in there. It could be really hot. It could be really cold. But I had a five foot wide mm-hmm. by 10 foot deep booth, yeah. no carpet, little card table with a tablecloth on it and a and a golf bag with a ball retriever. Uh, like a 15 foot ball retriever yeah. with a little flagstick sign on the top of the ball retriever way up the very, very, very top of the hanging over the booth, which was by trade show standards, not legal. Yeah. So <laughs> you're not so allowed to have anything so, above your booth. So be, you know, before we get too romantic about different things, let's talk <laughs> about the difference in the timing of mm-hmm. that in 1996 
versus now in 2023 yeah. and how people consume information and you know the roles of trade shows, how trade shows have changed and what trade shows really have to do to survive. And I mean, this has been an opinion we've talked about a fair bit. Yeah. And to be fair, when we had Greg Chambers on the show, it was one of the things that he mentioned as well, as far as what they need to do, mm-hmm. um, whether they did it or not, or were successful, that's for other people to judge. But in 1996, um, the internet was still in its infancy. Uh, a lot of people got their information by doing things in person, right? Mm-hmm. Over the phone. Yeah. Um, that aspect of it. They didn't just jump online and, and watch video and stuff like that. If you watch video, it was pretty choppy and and terrible. So it wasn't as common. So a lot of people then, you know, golf shows were an important part of the springtime. They they really provided a, a service where there was a connection there that maybe wasn't available until the start of the season. Um, whereas now in 2023, you know, obviously three years after that, the last one, we're now in an era where there's a lot of information that's, you know, consumed, you know, online, a lot of things that people would get from a golf show, um, as far as information they can find online. So the reason, reasons they come to these shows is much different. And we saw that on the weekend. So what would you say if the sole reason for or the the biggest reason, primary I'd reason it's for one going reason. to golf expos yeah. back in back in 1996, 97, sure. 98, you know, and so yeah. on as we as we worked our way up through shows, was was information mm-hmm. and um, you know, just general. I mean, generally, I was just saying it was information. Yeah. Um, it evolved to. Would you agree that now it's less about getting information and more about getting Inter- interaction and interaction so they they want something for their for their 20 bucks when they come through that door and it wasn't 20 this year it was cheaper than that right it was 14 Um, i believe so so they want something for that 14 or 15 bucks they want and and everybody deserves value for sure yes they want an experience and they want to be able to you know a lot of them want to be able to buy a deal Mm -hmm. um whether it's at a retailer or yeah, I guess, I guess there's a variety of things in there to kind of, you know, some threads to pull. Um, first off, I mean, if we see the evolution of trade so- shows in general, and I, I shouldn't say just trade shows, we'll talk in, in-person consumer shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the really, the biggest draw for most of them, even back in 1996, the most successful ones were the ones that had a lot of interactivity, Yeah, right? Um, you know, you don't go to the, you know, the food and wine show to look at pictures. You know, you, no. you go to taste food and, and taste wine. So that interactivity is very, very essential. And it's definitely become, you know, more important because, again, that's the alternative for what you can't get sitting at home. So uh, kudos to, you know, maybe the Ottawa Gatineau Expo for looking at things like, you know, when they added the Brewer's Alley, Alley a few years ago as mm-hmm. far as beer sampling, um, you know obviously the ability to test golf clubs is important having you know a couple of retailers there that are maybe you know selling off some end of line stuff or whatever that obviously becomes important as well um the stage <clears throat> the stage the interactivity people be able to sit down and, and maybe consume some uh information from a from a 
golf pro or coach or, or whatever the case may be and, and get some, uh, you know, get, get a feel for something that helps their game that provides value. Um, yes, they'll go to the golf course booths, maybe find out some information from the golf course. They're generally looking to maybe pick up some, you know, maybe there's a, a we'll call it a, a green fee package or a discounted deal mm-hmm. that's going on or whatever. That's obviously what they do. Um, they don't necessarily just stand there and want to be hammered with, Hey, you should join our club. Um, you know, yeah. that, 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 you know, maybe for some people, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that for some people, it might be important to them. It, it might be a case of them going there and meeting the people from that, that golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly don't think they go to see funeral homes and, and, you know, gutter leaf uh protectors and stuff like that that tends to yeah. kind of fill out the booths at a lot of shows and i'm i'm not picking on the Ottawa gatineau golf show here or whatever um so um, did it meet that threshold it varies i mean i talked to a lot of people you know some people said oh well you know it, it wasn't worth it for deals again you got other people that are going did they give away free green fees well no they're not going to give away free green fees i mean there was some of that back in the day or whatever mm-hmm. um so i think it varies from person to person but i think the evolution for these shows to be successful long term is they have to have more interactivity bigger things that can make it um an experience yeah um to give the value and that's my take what's yours no, I, I, I agree with, I agree with everything. There's nothing that I disagree with. I, I feel that when it comes to consumer shows in this day and age, what you're saying about interactivity and something to do is to me, it's, it's of the utmost importance there. And, and there has to be something to do across the board for every person that mm. attends that show. You cannot, yeah. in, you know, the one thing that I felt was really missed this year and and again, we are not digging at the Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expo because no. all in all, let me just say, all in all, I thought it was fine. I thought yeah, it was great. It you know, from our <clears throat> perspective, what yep. we saw, the interaction with the courses, we spoke to pretty much every golf course that was there. And they they none of them were really negative about anything. They felt like they they got what they expected out of it. Um, they always want everybody always wants more, but I'll, I'll say this, and I've been saying this for many years when it comes to golf shows. It doesn't really matter how many people come to the show. Right. <clears throat> what matters is the number of people that you can actually speak to that come to the show. So mm-hmm. if there's a hundred thousand people at the show and it's wall to wall people banging into each other, that's great. You as an individual exhibitor can only speak to so many people at once. Right. You can yeah. only sell so many packages at once. You're not going to sell a package to every single person that comes through the door. So if your threshold is a thousand people in two days to speak to, then if there's 6,000 people at the show and you speak to 1,000, that's 1,000 people. If there's 10,000 people at the show and you speak, you can only speak to 1,000, it's still 1,000 people. So right. regardless of the overall numbers. So there's no yeah. reason to, yeah, to, to inflate the numbers and say yeah. there was 20,000 people there if there was only eight. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. So that aside, interactivity to me is important. There was no kids area this year. Yeah, that was missing um, And I sure. really kind of felt like, and I'm not saying there were less kids at the show either. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice as many. Uh, I, I don't know that that's because there was no kids area. I just maybe think that that was just a product. They didn't give away free clubs to the kids, uh, which has been kind of a 
a normal thing for the show for a number of years. They were giving away a free go- a free golf club for for kids under a certain age. Um, there was no, you know, golfzilla inflatable thing. There was no, uh, there was nothing for the kids. There was no kids area. Um, right. And I thought that that was a little bit of a, you know, maybe something that should yeah, and have that's still not, been and there. And that's not just a miss for the kids. It's a miss for the the people that have kids that, you know, can't sit there and justify going to it and having their kid bored as they drag them around the yeah. show, right? So, so having a having a supervised area where your kids can be, mm-hmm. um, you know, albeit you want to call it a, a golf show daycare, then you call it a golf show daycare. Um you know, a supervised area where the kids can go into an enclosed area with some activity, whether it's a little putting thing, a little Velcro golf ball thing, a little golfzilla, whatever. Yeah. Not about raising money for something, about having something for the kids to interact with. Sure. Um, yeah. there, there was no bunker, but that really, to me, is not that big a deal. They're kind of messy, and I don't really know what the point of them is. But no. Um, the range was a little... You know, there were there were manufacturers on the range. I mean, you had your regulars, Callaway, Cobra, TaylorMade, uh, uh, Titleist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Strixon, Cleveland. Um, you know, it's nice to have those things there where you could hit. Um, yeah. I thought the area could have been maybe dressed up a little nicer, a little carpet on the floor instead of just the cement and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole whole experience. And that I actually felt- could be that actually could have been bigger. Uh, I think yeah. it was it was a little tight. And I think as a result of it, it didn't show off what, you know, the, the Canadian did a good job as yeah. far as the team that was there. And they were working hard to do some things. But um, if it was a little wider or bigger, it would just have a little bit more presence yeah. than anything. And then I think that would attract more people. And then on top of that as well, um, you know, we do have the benefit of technology these days. Yeah. And I, I noted when I went through and I, and I had someone mention this to me actually last night. Um, that only one of the manufacturers had their launch monitors on, whereas a lot of the other ones didn't. I'm not going to pick on particular ones or whatever. And the person asked in particular about you know, a launch monitor at, at one and which, cause they looked down and they saw it was there and they're like, oh no, we're not, we're not having it on right now or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's a hard job. I, I get it. It's a very difficult job to make everything perfect. Um, but the idea is that it shouldn't just be status quo. You know, if you no. want it to survive, if you want these shows to survive and thrive, you have to think grander and bigger. Otherwise, you're just eroding the same audience. Yeah, right? it needs you're to be less about attrition. I know you don't want to lose money on these things. And, and let, let me let me just say this. I don't business. know what yeah. the numbers are. I don't know sure. what it costs to rent the EY Center. I don't know what it yeah. costs to, to do everything that they do there. I What I do know is that is that if you're going to build something, it needs to be, it can't just be about the bottom line. It needs to be about building something and getting but, it to a point where where that is something that people want to go to at the beginning of the season every year, that, that exhibitors want to be there um, because they want to expose themselves to that that uh, that demographic or that, you know, that group of people. So yeah. in order to do that, you need to keep adding, you need to keep building, you mm-hmm. need to keep yeah. making it better. Yeah, yeah. It can't be. You got to take a few risks. You know, right? if, if you're a golf course, if you're a golf course and you open your doors and you are, here's my golf course, here's my clubhouse, here's my pro shop. Yeah. That's and then, enough. and the next year it's, here's my golf course. Here's my, yeah. you know, here's my clubhouse. Yeah, here's my pro shop. Yeah. And, and the conditions are the same and nothing changes yeah. on the golf course. And you do that for 20, 30, 40 years. 
without changing anything or doing anything any different. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but it gets stale after a while. And unless you're yeah. already the the top tier, you know, we don't need to do anything else. Mm. And even at that, even the top tier, we don't need to do anything else needs to do something else. Yeah. I mean, I've always admired. Otherwise, you're just, I've otherwise always you're just admired, scaling upward. Yeah, I've always admired, you know, Castleview Golf Course, for instance. Right. I've always admired the fact that that uh, uh, you know Claude and his brother, they're they're always doing something, something, something changed. Whether it's they make a few greens bigger, whether they yeah. put up some new signs like the, yeah. the the granite signs that they have, whether they redo the layout a little bit, add a couple bunkers, like just something. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a big something. So the golf expo is no different. You gotta you gotta add something. You can't regress. Mm-mm. Now, it's been three years. Yep. And now we're back. Yeah, but you've had yeah, three that, years and, to prepare. Right. You've had yeah. three years to prepare for going back to in person, whether you're going to do it or not. So, so what? And, and what, what was it, the? And I, and I get it too that there's some uncertainty of how it's going to be received because you know maybe you just you, maybe you just mm-hmm. don't want to get out over your skis too much. And, no, and no, you don't, but now, you don't but want to break the bank trying to. Right. You but know, now that it's back, yeah. Now what? It, now what? And, and and that'll be our question to Greg, and we're not afraid to ask that. It's no, like, I actually okay. spoke to him at the hockey rink uh, last night. Yeah, uh, so there you go. Quickly, so we've already sort of said, you know, let's sit down and talk and and, yeah. and have it. So, the, you know, this podcast is going to come out. Greg and I talked yesterday, and now he's going to hear what I'm saying today. So I don't, I'm not blindsiding him here or no, anything no, like that, no. but these are the things that we'll talk about. Yeah. And, and I'll get his take from his side of, from a cost perspective, like the bottom line, like yeah. what, did, what did this mean to you guys from a financial mm-hmm. perspective? You know, what did you guys think? And they're talking to the exhibitors and seeing what the exhibitors had to say, but let me, you got to be careful because exhibitors aren't always as honest as as unfortunately you know they they're kind of like you know some will be like oh that show was great i want to i want to book my booth and fine okay and then take a deposit and book your booth now if you're not willing to pay a deposit to book your booth then you really didn't think it was as good as you thought it was so put your money where your mouth is if you want if you thought it was that good pay a deposit reserve your space but be honest, because the only way the show is going to get better, better is, it, yeah. is is if you're honest. Great, exactly. if Greg comes to us and talks to us about it, and and we lie and say, well, "Oh, the show was awesome. I wouldn't change a thing." Well, then yeah. then we're lying. The show was not awesome. The show was yeah. great. The yeah. show was good. It was a good stepping stone. But you're starting at ground zero again. Yeah. Maybe not ground zero. Maybe you're starting at at you know, you're starting in a little bit, but you're not where you were three years ago. Right. So you've got to start a little bit over again, get a feel for the industry, see what they're taught, you know, see what they're. Yeah, see, you know. it's changed. Because as you said, from the top, we have a new generation of golfers that are yes. in here. And we talked yeah. to a fair bit of them at the show. We had people came up and and you know what? We're we're not, we can't deny it. I mean, here's, here's a person I talked to and, you know, they walk up and they're like, oh, um, what's Flagstick? Yeah. And it was funny because there was a reaction from a person that was next to me that was, you know, familiar with obviously the magazine and stuff like that. And they were kind of <gasps> aghast. Like, and I'm like, what do you whoa, mean? Whoa. Who's flag I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't make assumptions. You can never make assumptions and no. everybody will know what you're doing. And then when I asked the question of the person, I'm like, hey, how long have you been golfing? And they're like, oh, a year and a half. Of course, they don't know Flagstick. They, yeah. they had never saw the print magazine. Exactly. Right? And that's so, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I guess we talked at the show. The majority of the conversations that I had with people on Friday, which was the noon to noon right. to uh, eight or noon to nine yeah, or whatever. The first day. Yeah. Um, the majority of the conversation I had with people on Friday was, um, is there a magazine? Mm. When's the magazine coming out? Because yeah. that demographic was older. 
Right. Not and not 70 year olds. We're talking about those that would be most familiar with what we did in print right. for 26 yeah. years. Yeah. So on Saturday, the majority of the interaction that I had with people was the tell me about Flagstick or yeah. oh I've, or, I've heard I about this or, or, I, or I listen to your or, podcast or I like, go to the website. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a it's the tech the technology generation. Right. So that new generation of golfer is is consuming what we're bringing to them via flagstick.com, via the podcast, via the Flagstick Digest. They're not, or they've participated in the Flagstick Open or the yeah. Two Ball or whatever. They're not ones that have consumed or regularly right. consumed our, yeah, our so, content through the print magazine. So here's the thing. The golf show, just like we're doing, has to go to where the puck is going, not to where it's been, right? We'll pull the old exactly, Gretzky out yeah. there. I mean, yeah. that's really what it amounts to. I mean, if if you're going and delving into the past, you're staying in the past. Yeah. Well, why so was you... Gretzky so good as a hockey player? Because he knew what he knew where the play was going before the play went there. Yeah. It'd be nice if we knew where the play was going before before the play went there, but that's not always yeah. uh, that's not always the case. But that's um, how you have to. That's how you have to. Okay. So that's so a, that, that we've yeah. we've got about uh, um, eight or nine minutes here before we have to take a break, yeah, Scott. Right. So I don't know sure. if you want to dive into the into the players' championship if we can tackle that in ten minutes, or do you want to tackle that after the break and do it before the interview with the. Uh, why don't, why don't we the, do that? Why don't we do that? Dustin, Dustin? Yeah, you want to, you want to take a yeah. break and then, yeah. Cause okay. I think it's, I think it's a big topic. I think there's a lot of tentacles to it. So uh, we may as well give ourselves a little extra breathing room just in case. Okay. So just a couple more things on the golf expo in general, I was happy with it. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed interacting with people again. I enjoyed, you know, speaking to the golf course owners because sometimes, you know, collectively getting them all in one space like that at the beginning of the year is great. Um, I enjoyed, you know, going on, jumping on Kevin, Kevin Hames, uh, oh, yeah. radio show for the first time. And I don't know how long, usually, usually I defer interviews on Kevin's show mm -hmm. to you. Um, but this one, you know, was, uh, it, it was fitting to be on there and do it with him and, and with Jake. And, uh, I enjoyed doing that. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, you know, the idea of going over and maybe at the end of the day, getting a beer sample from the, you know, from what? the, well, you didn't I'm get one. No, I didn't get one. <laughs> what the heck were you doing? Yeah. It was right around the corner from our booth, man. <sighs> uh, I enjoyed listening to, we were close enough to the seminar stage. I enjoyed listening to the uh, to some of the seminars that were going on up there. And I think that's a very important part yes. of these golf expos. I think what needs to be looked at is is who you have going up there. Yep. Uh, and the topics and not get too much overlap of topics. And, because I and, really felt like yeah. maybe the topics kind of started to overlap and contradict right. each other. So maybe yeah. you need to kind of look at who you're bringing in, maybe bring in, you know, I'm not saying bring in a celebrity, but you know, there was a lot of successes you know, a while back with the expo when we, you know, for instance, brought in Lisa Vluswick. Yep. Uh, and she's dynamic. Yep. Uh, she's very great yeah, you gotta to be listen willing to. to. Take that, you got to be willing to take that risk yeah. to have a sort of a keynote entertainment site type yeah, thing. Exactly. And and you got to promote those too. And Todd's I mean, really, Todd Kirstead's really good yeah, with that. Yeah, but yeah, Todd sure. comes every year. So, it, you know, it's nice maybe once in a while to bring in just a different face for one something year. different every year. Yeah. Like, it, like yeah. just something, something fresh. And I guess yeah. that's the point. You know, you go to the grocery store, you don't buy, you don't buy the lettuce that's been there for, you know, six or eight weeks. You buy a fresh head of lettuce every week. The golf expo needs to have something fresh added to what's what's regular. Yeah. 
So you're not going to not bring you're not going to not bring retail or no, no, or manufacturers or have a seminar good, stage. But you need the extra little sizzle. Yeah, just a little something different every year. Tweak something that has been there for years to make it a little different. Move it around. You know, put it in a different spot in the show. Um, you know, figure that part out. Get the lessons back on the on the driving range too. Get the PGA pros in there, and that's 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 also on the PGA mm-hmm. to to make sure that they've got guys and girls coming in there. Um, and doing some some free lessons for people or some charity lessons for people, whatever the case may be, it, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really, you know, when you can announce that it's there and talk mm-hmm. about it coming, yeah. and then when it's there, it's interesting, then that's what makes uh, that's yeah, that's make a good a that's a mar- good marketing opportunity for the pros. Obviously, there was a few that participated on on the stage, but yeah, um, you're right. I mean, there's a great marketing opportunity for the 150 plus members of the PGA of Ottawa. Um, to market yourself because i know you know just going up on that stage when when Derek mcdonald was doing it mm-hmm. you know evan bet had been up there but just yep. going up there the number of people who came up afterwards and asked things about lessons and so forth and i was mm-hmm. able to direct them to different you know pros that were near them it was a really good marketing opportunity for we'll call it a little investment as far as just time yeah and i'd even consider the idea of, and I mentioned this to you, the idea of, and I'll, and I'll mention it to Greg, is is having multiple seminar stages. The one yes. thing about the, yeah. uh, the, the home show is that they don't multiple have stages. one yep. stage yep. for the whole show. They have, they have multiple smaller stages um, within the show area, and then they stagger mm-hmm. so that someone does a show and then they make their way through the show to the other end of the show or another section of the show and they take in another seminar um and it's a different seminar so you can look at doing stuff like that too where you have multiple stages and the other thing is 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 uh demonstrations on the stage Mm -hmm. there was no hitting net on the stage there was no track man simulator anything putting yeah yeah yeah. Uh, if you're gonna do that kind of thing yeah it's hard to just kind of air demonstrate it you know you got to have you know, 100%. so and we have had that before at the golf yeah, expo where they yeah. have had a net. Yeah, and, and like you say man. though, they, that means you could have you could have a simulator not up on the stage. You could have a simulator in another area, yes, or a screen set up in another area, and a particular demonstration going on over there yeah. uh, on a particular t- uh, topic. But you're right, that engagement, that level of excitement where people can like, oh man, I can get some short game tips, you know, of actually and actually see it's going on rather than just being sort of presented theory. Yeah, it's kind of like having know? a demo stage and a a seminar stage so yeah. the seminar stage can be talking and 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 displays on a screen like right. what the ovga did with the rules you yeah. don't need a net and a track man to no, do no, that no, for sure but then yeah. the other stage can be a demo stage and that's where you've got your pga guys and your whoever you happen yeah. to be bringing in if they're doing a demo you know they're doing a demo and there's a screen and there's you know yeah. numbers and there's track man and you know i think yeah. we had that kevin did the demo stage one year where he had all the stuff uh up on display and it was good all right. We'll leave it at that. Um, yep. All in all, great golf expo. Nice to be back. Nice to be chatting with people. Looking forward to chatting with the uh, with Greg and the NGCOA about uh, improvements for next year. And uh, hopefully that is the plan to bring it back in person again next year. I'm sure it is. Um, okay. We got to take a break. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to continue the some topics into the back nine. We're going to talk about the Players' Championship because there are some some things we want to talk about uh, with that. And we're we're going to get into our interview mm-hmm. um, um, with uh, Dustin Brake and uh, uh, from um, all the 
all the strict song Cleveland, <laughs> Zexio. Zexio. Yep. Um, and that's going to be cool. And uh, we want you to stay with us. So uh, we'll be right back on the Flagstick Podcast. Don't go anywhere. When you golf on Prince Edward Island, there are over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine. Not to mention countless miles of pristine beaches and a rich world-class culinary experience. So get here fast, then take it slow and play around on island time. Golf Prince Edward Island. And we're back here on the Flagstick Podcast with myself, Jeff Potter, and this guy, Scott McLeod. Um, so we didn't get to everything we wanted to get to on the front nine. So here as, we go. As, as it always happens. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes we just ignore it and move it on, move on to the next uh, topic. Yeah. But uh, in this case, it's timely. So we want to stick with it. So we're going to jump into the back nine and we're going to finish up what we were talking about in the front nine. The back nine is presented by Golf Sim Gurus. Uh, work on your game all year round. The privacy of your own home. Custom golf simulator setups built to your specs to fit your budget. Visit golfsimgurus.ca to learn more all right well we will get to dustin brecky um just shortly but yep. first let's uh let's talk about the players championship it is the big uh, event. the uh, big event unofficial <laughs> fifth major i guess they want to call That's it the canadian smart. open used to be that for a while too didn't it? yeah i mean uh, it's I, I, just I was... another golf tournament with a lot of good players playing in it on a really tough yeah it's golf it's course. the it's their tournament right yes. it's that's that's the thing it's a pga tours event it's the players team so that's why it has the elevated you know uh status as we'll call it um you know bigger purse uh bigger perks and obviously the stage is important as well because mm -hmm. you know this is one of those events that goes back to the same place and 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 has uh for many many decades now um and you know people become familiar with it and yeah. it draws them in to pay eight hundred dollars now uh to go in and play this golf course because they are so familiar it wasn't it wasn't eight hundred dollars when we played it but it was it's still a lot it's like four four fifty or something yeah, like that something and, like and that, there yeah. was no there was no media deal when uh, we no. played it because they were like you know it was the early tea time it. open in all of january yeah and we were with we were with our, our good buddy tony harris yep um the artist uh, artist extraordinaire yeah, uh, and and that was uh, we couldn't we couldn't not do it. We'd played some good golf around around that area already, um, and we talked, we toyed with it. But I mean, when it came right down to it, it's like, no, 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 guys, I'm sorry, we're doing this. <laughs> so, so Jeff, you uh, got out the wallet. <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled the wallet out and said, we're doing it. I don't care. We're doing it. We're here. This is uh... you know, and and it was a great experience. I mean, it's uh, yeah, uh, you know, was it the greatest golf course I've ever played? No not not by a long shot but uh was it a really awesome experience to play that golf course yeah. and uh and to experience what they experience in a round of golf um yeah it was yeah. it was worth the it was worth the money to do it once and you know yeah it gives you a different perspective on, on the stadium that it is literally i mean and a lot of golf courses like that that's you know what people the people's mentality is like it's i'm gonna do this once Right. It might yep. not be something you repeat once every couple of years because yep. uh, it is expensive, but it's like Pebble Beach. If I had the opportunity to play Pebble Beach and it was going to cost me two grand to do it, I'm spending two grand to go play Pebble yep. Beach. Yep. Even if when I'm done, I hate it. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. 
I'm going to hate myself when I'm done, but I don't know if I'd hate the golf course, but it's the same thing. It's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm paying the money, I'm playing it, I'm getting that opportunity. Yeah. And uh, then if I never go back again, well, that's fine, but I'll, I can now say that I did it. I did it. I, I played So before soccer. we talk about some of the current situations, some yes. of the things that are going on there, let's talk about a little bit of, about, you know, obviously playing it mm -hmm. and what we saw in playing it that maybe we didn't see on tv or felt we didn't see on tv or you know what's the difference that someone would feel playing that versus actually just watching it on tv well my my takeaway from it was um what you can't see on tv and, and the same thing happens with other big with other golf courses when when tv even though it's a you know you're you're seeing video and it's not like it's not like a photograph um you can't see undulations you can't see movement of the of the fairways and the greens you can't there's things that you can't see when un unless you're playing it you can't see on some of those par threes how hitting it to one spot and it is is ridiculously important for getting the ball to move mm -hmm. uh, to the yeah. hole yeah. um and if you don't hit it in that spot the kind of the kind of shot, shot that, that you have to hit. Right. It's like it's like playing the the sixteenth yeah. uh, the sixteenth at Augusta. Yeah, you know, you, and, and even in the seventeenth at Sawgrass. When you play the seventeenth at Sawgrass and you see it on TV, you don't see as often the shot from the player's perspective, which is a level shot. The tee deck and the green are basically at the same level. Yeah. So what you see is a video shot and it's usually from an angle Overhead. where it's a, it's elevated a little bit or from a, it's from a different angle so you don't mm -hmm. get that perception. When you're looking at that green, you're basically sitting standing there on the tee, you're looking at the wall around the green. Yeah, you, you don't really, really don't get, see you, the you green the, that well. You don't get the you don't get the depth perception. No. Right. Absolutely yeah, not. Exactly. So that looks yeah. like the even though that green is probably a lot bigger than you than than mm -hmm. it's it's like it's it's not wooden sticks. Um, it, it's that green is fairly large. Yeah, but from the T, you can't see that. You can't yeah. see that. No, no, it no. looks it looks like it's like an no infinity, green it's like an infinity green or infinity pool because yeah. it's basically just you know you're right. It it's not like it's angled towards you exactly. So I say yeah. that from a from a from a player's perspective, what you see on TV and what you see in real life, yeah. that's one of the things that is a takeaway is that is it is it you don't see what they see. Yeah, and, and I and I would say that imparts a, a little bit of a doubt factor because yeah. you don't know. So it's, it's, sort of, it's yeah. So it's almost like because it is level, it's almost like having it above your head. So mm -hmm. it's like going and playing a green. If people want to relate it this way, mm -hmm. go to a golf course, play a green that's forty feet above your head, and then basically you're just down there aiming and hoping you know, it lands yeah. on the green, but now you're doing that with a lake in front of you. And then the, I would say the other thing that people don't really get a feel from, and even though they talk about it a lot on the broadcast, but until you're standing on that tee and you can look over the flag on 16, you see it going one way and the flag on 18 is going another way. And you're standing, and you're standing there ready to hit your shot on 17 and you know, that wind swirling all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know that until you're actually standing there and getting ready to hit that. So yeah, yeah I, I would say the immersion of that experience um, while they're trying to obviously relay that in the broadcast more and more and give the feel of that, you're mm -hmm. right. They, they don't get that sense of that unless you're actually, and that's a tough shot. That's a tough shot when it's windy because that's a green that you you can't traditionally bring the ball in low. Oh no, not at all. You know, because it'll, it'll skip back. right off that green depending yeah. on the pin position, or you've got to be that. dead perfect how you bring it in low to get a lot of spin on to stop it. So you've got to bring it in with some height. 
And then that in itself is like, okay, well now I've got to throw this thing up in the air. Yeah. And I have no idea what the wind's going to do with right. it. So you're trying to shoot at the middle of the green, but if you're yeah. off by even a four or five feet on your aim, you could, you're yeah, like, you're done. And if, as people have seen, you know, even the middle of the green's not safe as far as from a putting perspective, because obviously you have the two drop-offs on, yeah. you know, the front and the right side. And, you know, those are difficult, become difficult two putts from that top, even though it's safe, but uh, you're right. I mean, it's, I mean, do you think it's a good hole, a gimmick hole? Is it good to have it, uh, you know, one time on a golf course? Is it appropriate for a big tournament? I say it's a good hole, but my my take on sawgrass in particular is is that is about the finish. That's not about the right. one hole. So to me, that's right. about 16, 17, and 18. Yes. If, yeah. if that were just 17 on the golf course and there was no real – there was nothing else around it, then I'd say, eh, you know, maybe it's a little gimmicky. But you put 17. It's like it's 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 about the tee shot on 16, setting up the approach on 16, which can mm-hmm. be like a, a like a lock yeah. eagle or a guaranteed birdie. Um, but then it's after you finish that, it's the walk from the 16 green around the lake, staring yeah. at that the whole time. Right. And then playing that hole and then leaving there, hopefully getting your par, which I did, by the way. And walking to the 18th tee and then looking at that tee shot mm-hmm. and going, okay, this is going right yeah. because it isn't going to go left. <laughs> like, seriously, left. I mean, I don't know how far how far right I hit it, but I know it was significantly right. And, and I mean, that became a three-shot par four yeah. as soon as I hit the ball. So for those guys, it's the same thing, although they hit it a lot further. It, because if the further right you hit it, the more the water comes into play on the second shot because now you've got to hit it back to the left. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing but water there. So that's to yeah. me that's about the sequence of 16, 17, yeah, I, I, and 18. I'd, I'd agree. I'd say it's a cumulative test of nerves. Yeah, right? it, it's putting in there, and, and I mean, a, a lot of the other holes require a lot of precision, a lot of thought for the particular shots. Which you know that's why I appreciate the the golf course, and I don't think it's it's too gimmicky. But you know, you're not going to play it every single day. No. But then it basically says, okay, here's your gut check down at the end. Um, and you know, I, I guess if 17 was, you know, 180 yards long or 190, yeah, I would say that that becomes a gimmick, but you know, being the fact that it's a wedge or nine iron or, or whatever the case may be, um, I, I think that's okay as far as the size of it. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm entertained by it. So I don't want to be, the, I don't want to be the guy making 10, No, um, but I think it no. obviously, um, you know, it serves its role. Do I think it's an, you know, I saw an uh, I saw a story talking about it being an iconic hole. Mm. Well, it's okay. But iconic I mean, because of what it because of you know. Yeah, but it's, it's an island green. Yeah, yeah. Know. But it it's not uh, it's not that it uh, is you know one of the best holes in the world. No, it's, I mean it's, it's like the twelfth hole. It's having a twelfth hole at Augusta without eleven and thirteen around it. Mm, yeah. I, I mean that's a tough yeah. par three. It's a nice yeah. par three. It's a it's a it's a challenging par three, but. You it's put eleven and quarter. twelve around it, and that's a stretch of holes that that can make yeah. or break a golf tournament right there. Right, because right? you could yeah. you could spit up on yourself on eleven, and then what do you what are you going to do when you get to twelve and your hands are shaking over that, and then you get to thirteen, you're thinking I got to redeem myself with a birdie, yeah, and you know yeah. that and easy birdie hole becomes a very difficult par. 
Well, so, yeah, and that'll be a whole other topic when we get to the Masters. Yes. Now that now that that hole has been lengthened as well, um, yeah. thoughts as well. I mean, is it a must watch for you? I mean, is it is an event yes. that you got, you you generally will watch? As okay. far as PGA Tour events that go, sure. there are some that are there are some that most PGA Tour events for me are Sunday only tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't I don't pay much attention on Thursday and Friday to other than just watching the highlights and seeing who's doing what. Um, maybe sometimes a little bit on, on Saturday, but I'm most are a Sunday uh, tournament. The uh, the Players Championship is is one that kind of falls into the major category for me as far as watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Thursday to Sunday watcher. I'm very right. intrigued yeah. on Sunday afternoon. I much like the Bay Hill um, that just passed. I was all all in invested yeah. on Sunday with that yeah. tournament. All in invested. That was exciting to see how that all played out. Um, that it looked like it was going to be a playoff all day long, and and, and I didn't think that uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't was think that Kitayama was going to even be there. Yeah. Uh, after what he after what he did, but you yeah, know conditions were being what they were. So I'm invested uh, yeah. in the Players Championship. I'm very much invested. That's a strong mm. field of players. Yeah. Um, including not a bit Canadians, of the money they're we'll playing say. for. What's that? Including, including six Canadians, we'll say, yes. which is really nice to have in the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. No. What about you? Are you invested? Yeah, I mean, obviously, oh, you I, got a lot I, going on this weekend. So I don't know I, I, how I, invested I, you're going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to watch it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm traveling over the weekend. We can get to that in a minute, but briefly, I'll be heading out for a, a wedding for a, a player that we know. Um, so that'll be a little bit more difficult to to watch. Uh, I should be able to catch of it uh, a little bit. Uh, as far as the end of it when i when i land in texas but um normally um yeah i mean this is an event i watch i mean obviously i have to do certain things that i keep an eye on for our social media feeds and things like that but but on a personal level definitely this is an event that i watch um quality of the field experience going down and playing the golf course so it obviously gives you a little bit of connection that way you can get a feel for the shots the fact that those Canadians are there and, you know, the list of winners is pretty strong and, and there's a lot of been a lot of good storylines here over the years. So, you know, something is going to happen, good, bad or otherwise. Yeah. So as a result of it, that makes it worth watching for me. And it, it's something I'll definitely be paying attention to. Yeah, I hope it's close. I mean, there's some good there's there's some I mean, storyline wise, you know, you've got I, I, I'm listening to all the shows right now talk about favorites and so on and so forth. And I'm not really I don't really get caught to caught up too much on that because, I mean, it's a strong field top to bottom yeah Uh, anybody anybody can win this golf tournament and uh, and yeah even the best player can lose it pretty quickly too yeah for sure and i mean certain guys are obviously playing well um so you have an expectation of that but you know we look at last week i mean rom before he started the week basically said i'm unbeatable and uh you know uh, next thing you know bay hill beat him <laughs> so uh welcome yeah. to golf <laughs> yeah well that's it. that's it and and like i said before sawgrass is sort of because it's in florida it can get windy it mm-hmm. can get really yeah, windy like like yeah, bay hill sure. did bay hill is a tough golf course when there's no wind you all of a sudden throw mm-hmm. some temperature and some wind in there yeah. and bay hill becomes extremely out. tough and yeah. and sawgrass you know, you don't want the wind whirling around sawgrass too much no. if you want to score. So, all right, all right. Last note here. Yeah. Um, Cam Smith obviously won it last year. Uh, led into him. Uh, you know, having he lives years. there. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to get to. Yeah. It, it leads to a very successful season for him. Wins the Open Championship. Uh, not able to defend because obviously he's not now a, yeah, a PGA sure. Tour member. He's playing in the Live League. Um, 
yeah, he lives there. So, um, you know, he said jokingly, he's like, I live here. I might go out and watch. Why not? It, it might be awkward, but I might go watch. I mean, right. are we, are we, I mean, I know there's lots of other players there, but how does it make you feel outside of the, the live aspect? And we're not going to get into that. No. That's a whole other topic we'll dive into. But how does it make you feel that the, the defending champion is not there? And does it diminish the tournament in any way? Nope. It doesn't diminish really? the tournament at all, in my opinion. I don't care if the defending champion is there or not. And it's got nothing to do with live or anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a sign. You know, at the end of the day, uh, that is a super strong field, whether Cam Smith is in it or not. Um, if if Cam Smith is not defending his title, uh, I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I, But I will say this, uh, when it comes to the whole Live PGA Tour thing, um, I really don't. I really don't have a huge issue if the guys that are playing Live want to still play the PGA Tour. Um, and, and I'm kind of changed my tune on this a little bit over time, and I don't want to get this to be a long-winded no, topic, no. but what I have a problem with is them going to live and thinking that they can just come over and play one or two events here and there mm. um, as PGA Tour members. Mm. If you're going to play live, that's fine. What you do over there has got nothing to do with world rankings, so go take your money and go do what you want to do. But if you're going to play the PGA Tour, you got to play the minimum. You got to be a full time member of the PGA Tour, and you gotta you gotta play the minimum. You gotta get your ranking points that way. You gotta you know I'm I'm fine with it. You want to flip flop back and forth. I don't really have an issue with it because I don't really look at them as competitive tournaments. They're making it that way, <laughs> yeah. But I just don't really see it that way now. Uh, you know, again, the the argument that people are making, and I'm getting sick of this. The argument that people are making is saying that because. Justin Johnson and Patrick Reed and Cameron Smith and and blah 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 is overplaying live, then that diminishes the the quality of the golfer on the PGA Tour. And I will say this: Bay Hill Invitational, if if it doesn't tell you if it tells you anything, is that somebody wins Bay Hill Invitational that mm-hmm. you would not expect to win. Though so this is a guy that's been on the PGA Tour, he's played well on the PGA Tour. It's not it's not like he's you know just came out of nowhere and won Bay Hill. Mm-hmm. He's not a name, but if he doesn't get the opportunity, he doesn't become a name. Mm -hmm. That golfer could be just as good or better than Cameron Smith or Dustin Johnson. Probably is already better than Patrick Reed. But the point is, if he doesn't get that opportunity, if those guys don't go to live and not able to come back and play, then guys don't get the opportunity to work their way up off the Corn Ferry Tour and play on the PGA Tour. And they may be... We already know that the difference between a player on the PGA Tour and a player on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's or even some of the, it's not a lot. No, no. What the difference is 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 not just about how good they may or may not be. It's about opportunity. Mm-hmm. You have to get the. It's you can't just walk onto the PGA Tour like they used to be able to get directly to the PGA Tour through Q School, mm-hmm. and then you got your opportunity. Yeah, and some you of that you can't is, do that anymore. Well, that is returning though. Some of the and, and, and I like that. I like the idea of that, yeah, but yeah. But point is, right now you've got to you've got to work your way in there. Yeah, and, and if I, you don't get I, the opportunity, you're never going to get there. Maybe you're better than than Tiger Woods ever well, will be. But yeah, and, and and we can talk a whole bunch about this. But I mean, I, I will say that you know I heard a lot of people say they watched the Honda Classic right to the end because they like the storylines and stuff that are in yeah. there. So you know, there's a place for everything that's in there. Obviously, mm-hmm. certain people want certain things, and people always want the guaranteed superstars and whatever the case may be. But yeah, when it comes down to it. Um, 
I'm disappointed maybe that, you know, Cam is not there just for me to be able to see Cam Smith for his talent and his ability back on that particular golf course. Um, Does it diminish the tournament? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm right with you with that. So it's only um, one guy. I mean, like it's one guy out of a field of a hundred and some odd guys. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'd like to see the best players there for sure. Um, But, you know, but again, you're right. There's other storylines that could happen and Hey, you know, Taylor Pendrith's in the mix right now as we yeah. record this. And, you know, maybe it's time for Taylor Pendrith to shine. So, well, that's yeah. it. Opportunity. Go. Opportunity. Opportunity. You got it. So, all right. All right. Um, anyway, so we, we'll we'll move on from that. But they're playing for a boatload of money. Uh, yep. 25 million, I think, is the purse. Four and yep. a half million for the winner. The guy that finishes dead last uh, that makes the cut. We should yep. take it. It's not the guy that finishes dead last that doesn't make the cut. It's the guy that finishes dead last that, that makes the cut is getting like, I don't know, 54 grand or something like that. Yeah, no, it's, like that. yeah I think it's, I haven't checked the tide charts. I'll, I'll have them all. Out there, it, it's a, uh, it's a chunk of, it's a chunk of money. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's what it is. Big tournament. Check it out. I hope you checked it out when we record this and release it. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Okay. Uh, let's move on to, uh, to our interview. You want to set this, you want to set this up, uh, Scott, you, you yeah. did this interview, um, why don't you set yeah, it so, up for the audience? And we'll yeah, for it. sure. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, sat down with uh, Dustin Brecky, who's the uh, director of product engineering for uh, Cleveland Golf Strix on Golf and Zexio. Um, this interview was basically basically about their uh, the new Zrixon uh, Mark II products that are out, uh, Irons and Woods, and really wanted to dive into the fact of you know here's there's a certain growth period that's happened for Zrixon and it's changed. Uh, as far as the brand recognition has changed over the years and what they're doing with products has changed and you know what they're doing as far as these new products uh, is really interesting. So I, I think everybody will enjoy it. Dustin's a smart guy and he gives us some great information. All right. Well, without further ado, here's uh, Scott McCloud's interview with uh, Dustin Brecky from Strixon, Cleveland, Zexio. Take a listen. All right, we want to welcome uh, Dustin Brecky here, the Director of Engineering, to talk all things uh, Zrixon today, especially regarding golf equipment. Welcome, Dustin. How are you? Great. Thanks, Scott. Happy to be here. Well, you know what? Uh, I've got a long history with looking at Zrixon product, especially when they first uh, sort of nodded their heads here in North America. And I know you've been with the company for quite some time. And, you know, it's certainly gone from a, a niche product that not a lot of people knew about uh, to something that has become sort of a, a favorite among people like fitters, uh, agnostic, uh, you know, golfers, right. those making choices based on performance. Um, why don't you sort of start with the irons and what's the progression that you've seen over the years with the, we'll, we'll call it the popularity and then we'll get into the details as far as the engineering. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's steady progress. So like you talked about there, we're, we're not making, you know, giant, swings and changes in directions of 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 our goals of you know the the metrics we're trying to hit with these product we're making premium forged irons that feel fantastic that uh fit that better player you know elite player's eye uh and we're doing the best we can to pack them with as much technology as as anybody else has to um you know to meet or exceed in performance side as well so i think just the steady recognition you know golf balls the um you get the name recognized out there get the on players hats um and it's just a slow build but i think you're absolutely right the irons have been the place where they're just received as like this is you know this is the best of the best these are the pure these are the forge they're premium 
um, if I can play this, I should play this, you know, type of uh, mentality. And and we do a lot from our side too to be uh, advocates for the uh, fitting world, if you will, or to like support those and are mindful in our our design and like how these family of irons fit together, you know, to suit that situation as well. So I think um, that's definitely the the category that we've you know like to be a part of um, and are yeah moving forward in it. Well, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the family in a minute and sort of maybe how they, uh, they integrate as far as all the different irons, for an example. And like I said, starting with the irons, because obviously that's the category that, you know, Zrixon has definitely become known strong for. We'll get to the woods in the minute as well. But yeah. um, I thought it was interesting this year going with Mark II. Obviously, if people don't know the history of, you know, using that type of terms as far as, you know, Mark, as far as a, you know, a next generation or a next iteration <laughs> of a product. Uh, which is carried over from military and all sorts of innovations and, and, and different things. I thought it was interesting for the fact that uh, in one way it was sort of giving respect to the audience and the fact that, hey, uh, you know, we do good things here and we're just going to notch it up a little bit. But I think it's also a little bit of respect to you guys as well that you created a good product and you're like, okay, we've got a really good product here. We don't want to do anything too drastic, but we want to make sure right. that there's innovations that are involved here. Was that sort of the idea behind it? Yeah, I, I think that's a fine way to summarize it. Like, it's definitely not just brand new names, you know, left or right. This is this is what you'd expect and more. Like, we're continuing in the path that you're expecting with uh, the Srixon Premium product. Um, but yes, absolutely. Innovations to our face technology and to field technologies. Um, some places like the Soul Designs, you know, VT Soul technology, like that's staying pretty true, you know, very minor changes. The, the feedback just continues to be outstanding and we still you know think it's kind of best in the market um so some places hold closer and other places we can make uh jumps in shape or size or the, the zx4 line that i think is still finding its you know its home within the whole family and we're really excited about its fit in in this generation so yeah absolutely i think the the mark ii is is calling to the fact that like it's it's worthy of you know step up but it's like it's still in that direction that um that it needs to be going for, you know, for the better player, for a pure performance. Yeah. And just a comment on that, really. I mean, I think it plays into a little bit of product cycles as well. Consumers are obviously investing a lot in getting fit and, uh -huh. and getting their equipment. You know, it, it's less disrespectful, I guess, of the ones that bought the previous generation, but knowing that there are slight upgrades and then when they're ready to, you know, kind of upgrade again, they can, you know, look forward to maybe some, you know, different innovations and stuff down the roads, but it means the clubs they, they've got now are, you know, perfectly good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly you get, you know, bigger advances if you're exchanging out older product. Um, and um, I know this is a topic where I was listening to some of your past material and like, you know, it's a discussion that I'm sure many people have, but um, the advances, advantages do exist, you know, even over just the previous generation. Um, but it's usually, and you know, in the case here, it's not a the wholesale, whereas if you go back three generations, four or five, like, you know, every feature is probably new and significantly new. Um, from one to the next, it may be like, you know, here here was the focus, a ball spin or a spin consistency, um, you know, or something with the progressive grooves that have been in there for a few sets. Like, you know, take some jump, make this direction better, um, but the soul is still working and it's working great. It's working for the best players. Like, you know, let's not change it for the sake of changing it. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things from an engineering standpoint that are, you know, principles that sort of, you know, stay true no matter what. Yeah. So, you know, there's not a lot of point, you can refine them, but there's not a point of, uh, you know, making big changes just for the sake of making changes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we go through, you know, naturally it's, we're trying to optimize all the set of conditions and like everything that is leading into performance. So you need in many ways, the, the inputs or the constraints to change to come out of that cycle with a with a new answer and to find different inputs or different constraints that's where you have to like you're learning something about physical nature of of impact or you're learning something about player performance or you know tour or, or so on um so naturally in many cases like there's you know the discoveries are in hey if we really look at you know multiple impacts across the face now we can optimize this face pattern to better consider all of that versus just center face, like what's a robot going to see? That's a, okay, we're looking at this different now. Now we can solve the problem differently. Um, but then other parts, you know, if that input doesn't change, then your, your solution is going to stay the same too. So like, don't, you know, if you just end up with a new solution kind of with nothing driving it, you're, you're probably making a, a wrong change or something too quick for, you know, for marketing or trying to swing to, to do what somebody else is doing or so on. Now, within the family, I mean, we talked a little bit, uh, you know, you mentioned the ZX4 and it, it finding its place. You know, one of the ways to address different needs for different golfers is not just to, you know, innovate within one club because obviously it, it has limitations as far as who it can address. But adding something like a product like the ZX4 and then, you know, having that family of irons, um, that does a lot of things for you guys in, in your ability to reach out to a different golfer, a different audience, correct? Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's a fine line that's, you know, we're walking that everybody's walking for. Um, you'd want to have a million different product offerings, right? Like sure. the one is like exactly to this person. That's the fitting situation, but even just in like a head, you know, a club head design or a face pat, you know, or whatever it is, you would want to optimize that to everything. But um, where the science, where the innovation really comes in is like, yeah, how do we group, you know, those different, categories together and how do we like create solutions that's you know going to be specific for this type of player or you know a wide range and having multiple iron lines definitely helps us broaden that and allows us to make you know the best for this range of abilities like this range of swing types um or this you know specific kind of eye or just experience level um and but it, the, the other side of it becomes like you know the challenge getting the consumers aware of these differences and actually understanding where's the right place for them and investing their time to, to find the best solution. And um, there's definitely a lot of work on that and that, you know, the products can't do uh, on their own. Um, let's talk a little bit about directly about the technology, which, you know, obviously being an engineer, I'm sure that's uh, something more exciting for you, but um, let's talk a little bit about pure frame and mainframe and, and how they enhance the golf clubs that uh, you guys are producing. Yeah, well, starting with Pure Frame in the ZX7 Mark II, that's paying attention to the face's vibration response at impact. So a pure blade, if you will, is going to be thicker and have more meat behind the ball, but naturally it's not able to distribute that mass and help with any type of forgiveness. So that's where the, the pocket cavity, that you know, shallow or very deep cavities um, have spawned out from that, you know, many generations ago. Um, but what this uh, pure frame technology is able to do is to 
to look at like, okay, here's how the face vibrates under those impacts on a forge. Like where can we put mass, you know, correctly bring it to the center, but, you know, only as much as necessary to still keep, you know, some weight distribution and a, a good balance of forgiveness and that feel. Um, so with that pure frame technology in Mark II, um, we're able to get that, that vibration response, that feel to match where a traditional pure blade would be, but still in the, you know, the, the shallow, it's, it's certainly still a better player, but in that like cavity, pocket cavity design that allows for some weight distribution and, and some forgiveness. Now, when we look at the designs and some of the features of them, uh, one thing that I sort of note, but maybe, you know, the average golfer doesn't really look at, uh, when you start to look at things like the progressive grooves, again, you know, yeah. the average consumer is going to pull the club off the shelf, look at it, not really understand how it's maybe going to help their performance. Um, but, you know, having that progression of a difference in the grooves will obviously have some performance impacts. Uh, can you address maybe a little bit why you guys have done what you've done uh, in the progressive grooves and what impact it would make for the average golfer or any golfer, really? Yeah, it's definitely for any golfer in the, in this case. So it's that's a technology that, you know, um, goes across all the product lines and and isn't, you know, specific to a uh, better player. And, and what it's really doing is it's, um, it's allowing a couple different things. The the impacts as loft changes is dramatically different. The amount of distance and you know uh, coiling, if you will, that a golf ball like does while it's on a face and impact is different. Whether a wedge is glancing under it or a you know a three iron is kind of blowing right into it. Um, and so researching and understanding that performance, and then specifically once you put grass into the mix and it has to wick through the grooves. Um, it's you know essentially impossible for one geometry to like be the best version in all cases. Um, so the progressive grooves allows us to in the higher lofts you know make them closer, more wedge like, more targeting spin consistency. You're actually you know in that eight iron and up. You're trying to land. You're trying to stop. You're trying to do that for all of them. But like those are your approach shots where you're really wanting to. Um, those are your scoring shots and to have consistency in that um, that ball flight, but also where like distance isn't as important. And on the long irons, spacing the grooves out, making them wider, that allows us to focus a little more on the faces response for, for ball speed. Um, and it just doesn't have to, um, it's not the same glancing blow, like trying to maximize spin situation. So we can give a little more focus to like helping players maintain distance and like maintain your gapping because it's extremely common you know for your five to four to three like you start losing those gaps um you start to lose that distance and control um so it, it can just be a you know a difference in objectives of what you know the how the faces are supposed to perform um and i think you know to your first point talking about consumers like not necessarily even noticing or seeing it like that's 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 exactly what we want to be honest like we in this particular scenario of like difference in grooves you know our concern would be hey the player is he going to be worried that a seven iron and an eight iron like you know he can see a difference in pitch and uh, like one has you know x number of grooves on the face and the other has two more than that like is that is he going to think hey these don't go together and um so being also mindful of that that face finish you know appearance whole set matching like we're not creating confusion while also like improving performance. 
Yeah, I think these are the fascinating details that, you know, maybe consumers don't take into account when they see the progressions of golf clubs out there and go, oh, it's just another club and they're just doing, you know, nothing uh, and just right. rebadging something, right? Um, last thing as far as irons before we move on to the woods, which I'm really intrigued by, um, particular challenges these days uh, with, you know, the market is changing a little bit as far as the demographics of the golfers that are out there. Um, you know, products are changing. You guys know from a golf ball standpoint, there's different requirements and people are, have different expectations of products. What do you find personally as an engineer uh, that has changed over the years that has become, you know, the challenge, I guess, in designing irons? Well, I think the, the challenge to try to answer that would be, um, especially in a in a Srixon product where it's so, um, you know, it has a, a staple appearance, right? Like it, it has a, a target that it's trying to meet and these um, premium forged, uh, you know, better player irons, like the challenge is more on the, the design side, if you will, and like communicating technologies. Like I feel like, you know, talking to the grooves or, or mainframe and pure frame, like we're still finding ways to pack in performance but to find the right mix of communicating, you know, in the product, but at the same time, not like losing the thread of what the product, you know, high level is trying to, to communicate to the player. Um, and so really finding the, the opportunities to do that. And when it is purely hidden, you know, how do we make sure the player knows about it? You know, not just to get credit, but so like they know, sure you know, to, to learn or how to use it or that it's available and, um, you know, to take advantage of it and to upgrade their game. Um, but yeah, when the, when the target is a, um, you know, when the player's looking for like, I just want, you know, that, that most shelf pop blingiest, like expensive looking <laughs> products, like, you know, sometimes that it can be a challenge like that, that runway, like, sometimes feels like it can only go so far, but I think our designers do a great job to continue to also, you know, fight that challenge and, you know, say here, this is, you know, how we're incorporating the new technology and we're able to make it look fantastic and still meet all these objectives and, um, but still look like a, you know, a next generation. Yeah. I think uh, one thing just from an opinion standpoint is I don't think the shelf appeal has waned for you guys over the years it's remained yeah. consistent and i don't see a lot of consumers looking at the back of a club when it gets introduced which obviously we know happens uh, on the internet and go "Ooh, i don't like the look of that that's usually not the case um yeah. all right getting over to the woods now i mean i think this is a really intriguing category for you guys because i look at it as sort of like you know those early days of Zrixon irons where people didn't really know much about them from a performance standpoint uh playability standpoint maybe we're hesitant to get them in their golf bags but progressively we're seeing more and more play of the woods not only you know on a professional tours but you know consumers as well and they're going okay the irons are great Let, let's give the woods a chance um what's been the challenge for you guys there yeah. and what features do you think you bring to the game with the, with the new mark ii models i think i think everything you said is, is absolutely correct and i think what it where it really had to start is like, you have to be, you know, competitive or above. Like you have to have ball speed, you have to have distance. Like you can't have a new shiny bell and whistle and you, you know, you can't just have an offering and it's going to do fine. Um, and I think our last couple generations with, with Mark one with uh, 785, like have really shown, you know, at the elite level and then blown down below, like 
you know, our technologies are in there to, you know, have as good or better or best ball speed. Like we're getting, you know, clubs switched into the bag and, and you know, the, the highest level of players. Um, you have to pass that test like it, you know, otherwise it's, you know, is a non-starter. And so I think the biggest thing for the uh, the brand in the last generations, like in, in is is passing that, is showing like, hey, yes, we are we are in the same category. Like, there's no reason to be ignored. You know, we're the technology's in there, the performance is in there, and it's time to be considered. And then and then that does take a slow build, I think, to your point. And I think the Irons is a great example of that. And hopefully, we're on a you know a, a similar buildup, like you said, but. Um, you know, definitely have major winners in the product at this point. Like we have success out there and I think it's starting to, um, not that it directly flows down from that necessarily. It does for many players, but, or, or people or, um, you know, perceptions, but um, it's that same. It's, it's starting to recognize it's seeing that it's performing when you're testing it in your fitting environment. Um, and it's building up that fitting experience, like building their confidence of the best fitters in the world. Like this product, you give it to a player, it's not going to lose this test. In fact, it's going to win it, or it's going to win this case or this case. Um, and it eats just, you know, dominoes on top of its itself to uh, grow, you know, exponentially, hopefully. How hard is that, though, from an engineering standpoint, when you're sitting there knowing that your product tests well and you've done a lot of great yeah. work on it, and then it maybe <laughs> doesn't get the respect it deserves, and, and you know it, you know, it can easily compete. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think definitely have to remind yourself, you know, constantly of that perception. Like this is a slow build and it's, um, you know, but there's stress with it, right? Because it can be like, you know, we can't turn it off now. Like it's got to do that and even more like the, the momentum's now like any, you know, hiccup, any hurdle, uh, you know, a, a bad offering is going to kind of really start you over. Whereas, you know, once you're a key player out there and you you know you can afford to well that one wasn't great but you know the last 12 generations have you know been doing what they needed to do um so it's you know from my standpoint you know it's that um you know similar to like that startup type of mentality like we have the product we know we have the product we know we're going to continue to have it because we're um with the brand with the uh with the image with our intentions like we're not going to lose track of what our objectives are um but so to stay persistent with that while it builds until it starts to get, you know, enough momentum of its own. Uh, one thing uh, I, I don't think a lot of people, you know, kind of maybe know or respect enough is the fact that, you know, you're part of a, a large company that's, you know, has a group that is not just, you know, in North America, you obviously, you know, Japan right. and everything. What, what advantages do you think that network gives you guys from a design and planning standpoint, because you can reach into a lot of reserves. Um, there's a lot more depth there. Again, you know, if people are all of a sudden just became familiar with Rixon, you know, in the last 15 years, but there's right. a huge depth within that company, you know, with Dunlop and the, all the heritage of the other sides, XEO, Cleveland, everything else. Right. Um, what advantages do you think that gives you guys that maybe the consumers don't know about? Yeah, I mean, for absolutely on the R&D side, there's a whole, you know, additional R&D department in Japan, you know, that was existed for generations, existed for years, as you said. Um, they have a lot of awesome test facilities out there, a lot of capabilities, you know, so we're, we're still even, you know, decade in at this point, years in, 
um, kind of merging our abilities and, and collaborating globally to like take the most advantage of our of our history of our insight. Um, but I think also it's a, you know, at the tour level or at the different, you know, markets, like we just have input coming from everywhere, right? That it becomes like, how can we really make the best product overall for every, you know, globally? Um, and I think some of that perspective is, is important to keep in mind, like that is, you know, the focus, right? Like we definitely, you know, hyper-focus on the PGA tour here or, you know, whatever our immediate market, but, um, you know, having that be a key focus, that's where our biggest opportunity for growth certainly is. Um, but understand, you know, that's, those aren't the only goals and objectives and, and using that other history and experience to really make a product that's going to, um, suit the biggest, you know, the biggest grouping is, is the goal. Yeah. You've got a lot of, uh, a lot of patents, a lot of material engineering, everything to reach back into, which is a nice advantage to have. Um, where do you think things go from here for you guys? I mean, you obviously you don't have to get into specifics. I know you're probably working on next iterations or so forth, but, right. um, <laughs> what do you think the next big, uh, thing for you guys is, or, or what's your goals overall yeah. that, you know, would be public facing? I think, I think with this lineup and launching that low spin model in the ZX5, I think really, you know, in the woods particularly, seeing the opportunities to, you know, not just have adjustability or try to, you know, a few product that fit all, but to um, to get that additional model out there that's being received extremely well, is performing extremely well. Um, and so I think to build on that experience, so not necessarily say more models are, are um, uh, the same there, but like to understand okay this breakup is is necessary like we need the performance targets of these player categories like there, there's five sets of irons and you know two driver heads only all like that's not you know the right balance like how can we really break up the market to be able to get the gains and the performance attributes out of it um so i think that's will continue to be you know a focus for us as well as as many people and then um, ball speed is just always king. Like in drivers, ball speed is king. So um, trying to continue to research, you know, not just to lower loft and win ball speed, but to like, how can we actually get ball speed performance, you know, within uh, legal limits, within, you know, as well as like, we talk about better players for these product, but, you know, nobody hits dead center every single time. So adding, you know, performance attributes while still fitting uh, the tour eye still filling these workable shapes. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to ever imagine that um, a big chunk of research is not going into enhancing ball speed, uh, enhancing that overall distance performance. So, um, well, it's it's a challenging puzzle, and you guys have been up to the task so far. So I'm excited to see where you head with this. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I think uh, you know if people go and check out the products, they can see for themselves. Uh, you know the work yeah, that's absolutely. been put in them for yeah. sure. Yeah. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to catching uh, up with you another time. Yeah. Let's do it again. Thanks, Scott. Wow. <laughs> You're right. He is, a smart, he is a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, a great, great, a great interview. It, it, it's nice to see. Um, it's nice to hear stuff like that because, you know, we like to hear about products that maybe we're not as familiar with and, and we need to become more familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there, there's always the mainstream product that, that people yep. are, are very commonly familiar with. Um, but it's nice to see companies like, and Cleveland, Cleveland golf obviously is, yeah, is quite, quite common, quite popular for a lot yeah. of years, but Strixon's sort of the one that's, 
kind of it's emerging it's yeah, working its, it's way up there. as far as recognition and i i think what the nice part here here is you know it's it's getting the actual engineering people behind the equipment yeah you know, and, and, you know, their thoughts of why they're doing what they do and the equipment that they have. And, you know, that's the nuts and bolts, you know, uh, you know, marketing has to happen. There's always flash. You have to have sound bites to get people's interest. But when it comes down to it, it's like, what is this going to do for me as a consumer? And, you know, again, there's no better guy to talk to than somebody who's actually behind, behind the product mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and is saying, okay, here's what we have to do and here's why we're doing it. So yeah, I appreciate Dustin taking the time and, and uh, for all the team over there for uh, um, setting that up, Max, Max Christensen here in yeah. Canada and Noel down in the States. No, it's a, uh, it, it's a, uh, it's, it's really good to see. We're happy to, that, uh, that, uh, Strixon, uh, Cleveland and, and Zexio are, are one of our marketing partners uh, again this year, um, doing some good things with them, some contesting and things. So it's good. And, and, um, you know, hopefully people kind of grasp what's being said and kind of get a little bit more insight. We're, we're so blessed with such great product for, uh, in, in golf these days. And, uh, mm -hmm. it's good to see companies like this coming up and, and putting out some quality product that, uh, that people can give a try. Scotty Mack, great interview. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, no worries. Got a few um, more, got a few, got more coming. I know we got some in the bank. We do got a few, a few <laughs> more irons, up, irons in the fire, some things up our sleeve. Um, yeah. and that we said we were going to do that, uh, right at the onset of the first episode, we said we were going to do more stuff like this, this year, and kind of mix it in with the product talk and the instruction mm -hmm. and the golf fitness. We've got some got some great golf fitness um, uh, got great, great golf fitness videos uh, coming out soon uh, from aforementioned Evan Bet from yep. uh, uh, from Swing uh, Fit. Swing Fit. Um, so I'm just prep preparing some of those videos mm -hmm. to get them ready, and then yeah. sitting down with Kevin Hames soon to talk about uh, some golf instruction. So lots of things coming up as we yeah. get closer and closer I, to the golf season. I, I called it yesterday; it's iceberg season for us. There's a yes. whole lot of stuff going on under the surface. So <laughs> exactly, that's a good one. I like yeah. I like the analogy there. That's yeah. a good one. Hopefully, um, we have okay. a lot of announcements coming soon. Well, okay. I know I won't say hopefully. I know we have some announcements. Yes, we got soon, some. So. We got some pretty big yeah. ones, and you know, from from our side too, like yeah. some flagstick related yeah, i'll be away next week so we're gonna yeah so tell us so, so quickly you're, you're going yes. away you're I'm, going to uh our whole family uh, to a, little a wedding a little march break going to a wedding for nice. uh a young man who was a two-time champion at the flagstick open noah Steele. yes i've uh, been fortunate to uh you know make his acquaintance over the year and be part of his coaching team and and uh myself and uh, derek mcdonald from the royal ottawa are in the wedding and uh so does next week so it's kind of funny to be in a oh wedding these days i mean it's been a while or whatever so uh yeah heading down there heading to houston just north of houston uh the woodlands area um gonna play some golf gonna play some golf. yes you gonna, are gonna play the little i know jeff's hating on me right now not I, really not really gonna, i mean it's gonna not... play, yeah we're gonna play blue jack national next week um, i'm starting to get more hate on you for that yeah sorry um so yeah looking forward to that and uh it's gonna be a busy week but it should be a fun week and uh yeah so there we go Off i'd probably be less mad at you if you were playing some tumbleweed public facility down there oh, okay maybe you know, I'll, but... maybe i'll do that just to make you feel good i'll, yeah, I'll tell you yeah. i'll tell you i'm doing that well all the best to you and uh and derek and and of course to noah congratulations page, yep. noah um uh, looking forward to talking to you at some point over the summer, but uh, joining the ranks of the married. 
Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to trying to close it out uh, uh, before his wedding with a win. He's actually tied for the lead at uh, a tournament in Louisiana uh, uh, as of yesterday. Shot sixty four in the first round. Nice and a uh, little twenty nine on the back nine. That's uh, wow. that's pretty good. So uh, yeah, maybe he's trying to make a little extra wedding cash. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say he might need it. Um, yeah. Okay. Who knows? Um, right. not sure what we got on tap for next week but it'll be something good uh, i know we're going to have a couple of announcements probably to make in the next episode but you'll yeah. see probably one of those announcements coming up very soon on flagstick.com um you know uh thanks again great great show scott enjoy yourself down in uh down in texas thank you Yeehaw. um thanks to all the sponsors this week metcalf golf club golf sim gurus presenting sponsor Golf PEI, uh, Golf Prince Edward Island, premier Canadian golf destination, boasting the most number of golf courses per capita in the country with over 400 fairways, closer than you can possibly imagine, top-tier accommodations, exquisite culinary experiences, the easiest golf vacation you will ever book. Book your vacation or tea times at golfpei.ca. Uh, glad you're listening. Glad you're watching. Uh, be sure to follow us across all of our social media uh, network. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And what's the other one? TikTok? No, the Good good Pods. Good, good, <laughs> oh, Good Pods. Good yeah, Pods, good yeah, pods. okay. Uh, good Lots Pods. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube uh, to our YouTube channel. Like us. Click the notification bell and make sure you never miss a single episode because that would be bad. Uh, get over to flagstick.com as we get closer and closer to the season. You won't be, you won't can't imagine how much content is delivered up there every single day it's insane subscribe to the newsletter because that's how you're going to find out a lot of times when we post new stuff you'll know about it first uh as always we appreciate you tuning in until next week i am jeff botter i'm scott mcleod and always remember go for the stick